and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season four, episode 14, Goodbye, Iowa. Yeah. So I don't, again, I don't think I have any announcements other than that we're recording this on Rex Manning Day. Oh no, not today. Not Not on Rex Rex Manning Manning Day. Day. So I hope everyone had a great Rex Manning Day since you're going to hear this in the future and that everybody watched Empire Records and hugged their couch cushions. And if you're too, if you, if you were too young to have experienced it when it com- comes out, it's a little, it's very 90s. It is so tried, 90s. We tried to watch it with Dylan. He did not understand it. Could not, could not appreciate it. And it's, it's <laughs> fair. It's fair. It is aggressively. Yeah, it's a very slice of life 90s film. It is just one day in this record store. Yeah. But it is Rex Manning Day and the best day. It is. Yes, we we are going to we're going to watch Empire Records tonight. And yes, we are. It is going to be a good time. But all right, let's let's talk about this episode. Goodbye, Iowa. It aired February 15th, 2000. And our synopsis is Professor Walsh's monstrous creation, Adam, escapes from the initiative compound and sets off to wreak havoc on Sunnydale. Meanwhile, Riley is breaking down both physically and mentally, and no one seems to know why. What are our foreign titles? We have three this week. Everything else was just Goodbye, Iowa. So in French, we have Stress. Okay. In German, The Fighting Machine. Interesting. And in Italian, The Monster Factory. I like The Monster Factory. I'd also like, I'm not going to try to pronounce the Italian title, but looking at this Italian title, it looks like a horror movie title. Like you could see this coming up in black and white with a lot of, you know, ambiance and the music and lightning happening. Oh, I love it. Love it. There's another previously on this week, basically recapping last week's episode and reminding us that Maggie tried to kill Buffy right before Adam killed Maggie. What I'm going to note, because it's going to come up later, is that Riley's vitamins don't factor into the previously on, because again, the drugging of the initiative soldiers was a half-backed, last-minute edition that is the hill I am willing to die on. No, that's that, like... Again, I I know we said last week that, like, I liked, he's like, oh, I have to take my vitamins. Like, that was such a good setup that they should have done earlier in the season. And not even, maybe not even pointing out that he had to take vitamins. Just seeing him at lunch, like, taking vitamins with lunch or, you know, something in earlier episodes. And then you get here, and we'll talk about that when we get there. And it's, yeah, it it was definitely (sighs) half-assed. It makes sense, like, what they were doing, but it was half-assed. After that, we're right back to where we left the gang last week. Buffy telling the others, including Spike, about what just happened. How Maggie tried to set her up. When Giles asks if she truly believes Dr. Walsh tried to kill her, she says, yes, she does. Leading Spike in a fantastic bit of future irony. Mm Mm-hmm. To tell Buffy that she has a truly tragic taste in men. I mean... He's not wrong at this point. He's not wrong. But he also says something else that I really want to talk about. Mm -hmm. He says he has a cousin married to a Frovlax demon that has better (laughs) instincts than she does. A cousin married to a demon. Now, (laughs) we know the vamp family Spike was a part of was very small. Yeah. It was Darla and Jealous, him and Drew. Not even Penn, who we will see later in Angel, made the cut. So this this is not a vampiric, quote unquote, cousin. This is a blood cousin (laughs) married to a demon. Or it was just just Spike being... (laughs) Now, this man knew of the occult before he died. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, his backstory should have been that he was a watcher. Today is just full of hills that I am going to die on. (laughs) Also, he calls Buffy Goldilocks, and I love that. Yeah, yeah. Come come back, come back down off of that hill for the moment so that we can... (laughs) 
Buffy doesn't get what Riley has to do with this. And Spike asks her what she thinks Riley was doing while Maggie was stringing her up. Does she think he didn't know about this? Mm. Well, no, he didn't because he never asks questions. But to someone not in the know, it makes sense, right? He's a high ranking member of the initiative. He had to know. Everyone goes quiet at this and Buffy asks if they really think Riley could have been involved. Giles doesn't think so, but to rule it out as a possibility would be irresponsible. Right. No, no. Buffy knows he wasn't involved. Walsh made sure he was nowhere around. That couldn't be coincidence. Plus, Riley. Willow says he couldn't tell a little white lie, let alone a bunch of big, (laughs) dirty ones. He is dumb. Xander once again comes in with the military knowledge, reminding Willow that they call it secret forces for a reason. (laughs) They kind of keep the whole lying part to themselves. Giles is stuck on why Walsh would all of a sudden want to kill Buffy. Buffy's not sure, but she does know that Walsh didn't really like her asking questions. So she was getting too close to something. Okay, so then what was she so desperate to hide? Well, we're about to find out. But also, Giles, come on. You don't think Ethan's rolling into town, telling them about 314, and then Walsh wanting to kill Buffy might be related? I mean, seriously. Really? Like, okay. One, if if it was just Ethan saying something, okay, yes. I know. We don't trust Ethan. He's he's shady. But he is. once more shit starts happening. Let's put some pieces together and realize that maybe he's not always full of shit. Yeah. And look, we just apologized for Ethan. We did. We we did apologize for Ethan. Anyway, we then go to the woods and the secret bunker entrance contained in them that we have never seen before. I thought the only way was through the frat house. Well, no, because they have the bunker that comes up in the middle of campus. That's true, yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense that they have these doors everywhere, but, like, it's just like, okay, here's one conveniently located in the woods. And when did they build all this? Right? Like, how has Buffy never stumbled across this very obvious door in her patrolling before? And and even that, like... Like, Giles says it was six months, but I think that's, like, him just talking about how long they've known about the initiative. Yeah, yeah. Like, because, like, when he's talking to Ethan, he's like, I've been doing this for 20 years, but six months of Maggie Walsh. Yeah. But they that that, that military installation was not built in six months. No, no. So not this the way is the some- government funding works. And and the way like the the how much of a okay I'm not gonna call them well organized because <laughs> there's a lot of shit but there is there is some organization to it it's not a well oiled machine they they are proving that they really don't know what they're dealing with but just how well everything was set up like it's not a fly by night we are using old shit to throw this together like there was definitely some serious yeah no like they didn't move into a structure that was already there this clearly Mm -hmm. isn't a temporary like they they have built and committed here and that takes time yeah we built an elevator in a frat house yeah also what's gonna happen to that elevator when they are done with it Well, I guess, like, nobody has the retinal scan, so the wall's not going to randomly open. I don't know. See, this is <sighs> why we need to run a secret organization. We do need to run a secret we organization. Think about these things. We don't run a secret organization. We can barely get our friends organized. Oh, just trying to imagine getting Dylan and everybody, like, organized in a secret, like, oh my now. You, you my know, head already hurts. You know the saying, trying to wrangle cats. Yes, herding cats. Herding, like, that's literally... Mary and I turn into moms when it's time to get everybody going. If I'm not overly tired and therefore one of the cats. Yes, well, that's usually later in the day. That is later in the day. In the morning when we're trying to get out the door, I am not one of the yeah. cats. Yeah, when when you when when we've been on the go for a certain amount of time, Mary turns into a toddler. Yeah, like nine hours later, I'm just I'm done. I'm sitting on the floor. Where's my snack? We're good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's especially it's especially great when you're wearing one of your rompers. I know, which I'm probably like, gonna be wearing next again. Like you look you look so cute and you just you're like yeah, you look like a and I'm and I mean I'm always coming with snacks when we go to cons together and I can tell everybody's getting cranky. I'm like, here, have a bag of goldfish, please, for the love of God. 
They're very entertaining out in the wild. <laughs> Maybe to us. I don't know. Well, we did entertain that lady at the, <laughs> the grocery store. The that grocery was store when we were stone sober. <laughs> the door opens and out steps Adam and all his Frankenstein's creature glory off to cause havoc in the world. So we promised we'd talk about Adam proper this week. So, you know, let's do that. Adam is played by George Hertzberg, who is really only known for this part. Yes, yeah. Um, he's done the occasional one episode on other shows, such as Ghost Whisperer, Friday Night Lights. But this nine episode arc he has as Adam is his most substantial role. Mm-hmm. Credits. Still awesome. We return from the credits to Giles's apartment where Buffy is telling everyone to grab some weapons. They need to move out. And storm the initiative? Xander is there, ready to kick some ass. Buffy was thinking more and hide. Oh, good. Because <laughs> Xander wasn't really sure how the whole storming into the initiative thing would go. Buffy says they need to find a place to lay low for a while. Willow offers her place and Buffy says, no, the initiative knows they're close. They check there. Xander's basement of sadness? <laughs> Buffy says the boys haven't really seen her and Xander together all that much. Yeah, no, they have, but okay. And there's enough room there for everyone. Is there, though? There's not. Sanders down. Anya, not so much. I'm with Anya. As everyone there is going to infringe on their sexy times. Giles is also not down because he <laughs> refuses to squat in that dank hole. What? So it's good enough for Spike, but not for him? Precisely. Yes. <laughs> Spike is majorly insulted. And Giles thinks they should just all stay at his place. He highly doubts the initiative will ever think to look there. Which is, of course, when Riley comes in, going straight for Buffy and asking if she's okay. He knows. He knows something happened. Tell him. And so Buffy does. Plain as day. Maggie tried to kill her. In case Buffy's telling him this story didn't clue him in, Anya helpfully adds that it didn't work. But the Scoobies are still very upset about it. Riley tells Buffy to go over everything, step by step. There has to be a mistake. There was no mistake. Xander is very adamant about that and ready to jump in and defend Buffy. Also, how did he know? Riley says he was on a mission and when he came back, he he stopped staring at Spike. That's Hostel 17. <laughs> no, no. Spike, once again in James's real accent, asserts that he's just a friend of Xander's <laughs> before giving up and telling him that, yeah, he's their guy. I want to know how hard this scene was to do for James. Mm-hmm. To have go in and out of Spike's accent in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Because I feel I, that would be hard. Yeah, I know. Like, I I don't know if, if we talked about it before, but I know there was an episode of House where Hugh Laurie, who plays an American, had to do his normal accent for yeah. one tiny little scene and he couldn't do anything for the rest of the day. No, that's that's why the joke was always Stephen Fry wasn't allowed to guest star mm-hmm. because Hugh was like, I can't be American if Steven's in the room. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he would just fall right back into. Yeah. <laughs> Which we were robbed. <sighs> we were robbed so much. Buffy tells Riley that this is Spike. He's, well, it's a long story, but he's not bad anymore. Spike is again insulted. He is so bad. He just can't bite. Thanks to the initiative. Riley doesn't get it. They've been searching for Spike this whole time and Buffy knew where he was. What is he even doing there? Getting away from them and their dramatics. He has stories on the telly for that. (laughs) Grabbing his coat off the coat rack because we are polite and observe proper manners at Giles's. He tells Riley that he, if he's trying to kill Buffy, big thumbs up. The gang all rolls their eyes and Spike departs. Riley is still hung up on the whole Buffy hiding HSTs thing. (laughs) And Xander is not about that. He needs to pipe down and let Buffy ask the questions as Riley's boss just tried to make monster food of her. It's clear from their looks the rest of the gang agrees. Riley tells them he wasn't there. He didn't see. All he knows is he came back and Walsh told him Buffy was dead. Then he saw her on one of the monitors and he assures them this isn't like Walsh, that something must be controlling her and making her act that way. Giles then tells Riley of their running theory, how in Walsh's eyes, Buffy was becoming too inquisitive, that she might have gotten too close to something Walsh was trying to hide. Finally, Buffy makes the 314 connection. Yeah. Could it be related to that? Riley says maybe it was a test, a drill. Then why did she tell Riley that she was dead? 
It wasn't a test. And Buffy would know she's actually been in a test designed to kill her. Mm-hmm. This felt slightly different. Giles tells Riley of the rumors they've heard, that there is something darker at work in the initiative. A secret purpose. Riley says that's impossible. He would know. Would you, Riley? Oh, honey child. Because you, you don't ask the questions. Yeah, yeah. His, his, his blind stupidity is not endearing but again it's it's also going it's also going along the lines of he's a soldier he follows orders he doesn't question buffy assures him they're still just working it out sorting through things riley says he needs to go sort it out on his own buffy tries to stop him but he tells her that he's sorry he can't be there so i realized something later so it's not in my notes but i'm gonna add it now riley never makes the connection that spike is who buffy is talking about in something blue Mm-hmm. We're like robbed of a scene where he puts that together, either here or later down the road. Like he yeah. never makes that connection. Nope. And I'm very sad we are robbed of that moment. As he leaves, we're headed back to the woods and Adam, who comes across a lone child playing with an action figure. Again, very reminiscent of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. There, the creature meets a small girl. Here we have a small boy. Adam approaches asking the boy, what is he? And the boy tells him he's a monster. Well then, what is the boy? He responds, obviously, that he's a boy. Adam says, how does he work? (laughs) He doesn't know, he just does. Then the boy asks him what the pokey thing on Adam's arm is for. And Adam smiles. From there, we move away from the scene, but we can all guess what happens next. Mm -hmm. Now, I will admit, I do have a new appreciation for this scene Especially when you compare it to its sister scene in the 1931 version of Frankenstein. So like I mentioned just a few moments ago, there a creature comes across a small girl, Maria, playing by a lake, alone as her father has gone to check the traps. So basically in the same position as this boy who is playing in the woods behind his house. This boy is playing with twigs and action figures. Maria was playing with flowers. Now, while Adam initiates contact here, in the movie, it's Maria who initiates contact, introducing herself and inviting the creature to play with her. She hands him some of her flowers, and they take turns throwing the flowers in the lake to create little floating boats. But when the creature runs out of flowers, he tosses Maria in, thinking she too will float, and it will be fun. Mm-hmm. But she goes under and in a panic, he flees. So in both these scenes, the child is hurt at the end. But with Adam, it was intentional, not an accident. And I just, I, I do have a new appreciation for the parallel of those scenes. Yeah, yeah. And like, I actually forgot that he kills the little boy until, <sighs> you know, we get to the next scene where, you know, with the news. Yeah, just that's a really, I mean, Buffy's full of dark moments. But again, oh, yeah. It's a really dark moment, especially when you get to the end and you realize that, like, Adam vivisect him to figure out how he works. Yeah. And it and it's a very cold, calculating, scientific murder. And it just mm-hmm. makes it all the more twisted and dark. Yeah, yeah. And the one thing, like, the one thing that I do like about the way that they did this is... You know, it was the 90s. You didn't get a lot of violence. Like, you didn't see it happen to the kid. Like, no. you know, like, you can, you can, you know, extrapolate it for yourself, but they don't show you no. the child being murdered. Yeah, like you, like we said, you know from Adam's smile, something bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. You don't know the extent of which until you get to the news thing. But you knew that scene was not going to end well. You didn't have to see it. That night, Riley wanders campus, contemplating the meaning of life and the initiative, while our friend the doctor heads to room 314. Now dark, the light's not working. He calls out for Walsh, Adam, and when he gets no response, he heads further in. He sees Adam's empty gurney just a moment before he slips in something and falls. That something is Maggie's body. With an oh god, he realizes just how badly they fucked up. Mm-hmm. Xander's Basement of Sadness and its shiny, shiny disco ball. <laughs> Giles awakes to the sound of the girls curled up together on Xander's bed watching Roadrunner cartoons. Buffy points out the logic in the cartoon and Willow reminds her that's why they're cartoons, <laughs> not documentaries. 
All the girls are super cute. Buffy in her sushi PJs, Willow with a stuffed puppy. I know. I'm just loving the whole sleepover vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have Giles who is in one of those 90s blow up chairs. Oh, yes. You know, and we could probably guess that Xander probably slept on the floor. Uh Uh-huh. Because he's a good host. Giving the girls the bed. And yeah, like it it really did have a cute, cute sleepover vibe, except your dad is behind a curtain over there. Coming through the curtain divider, Giles asks if they can stop with the noise. His head (laughs) is splitting. Well, someone is a cranky bear in the morning. Shocker. An inflatable chair does not make the best bed. Anya says every time he moved, it squeaked. It was irritating. And I love that you could see his tattoo. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. Like, I just had, <laughs> like, just put it out at the end. But yes, you can clearly see the mark of Igon in this scene. And I love that. Yeah, it's, it's, because, I mean, it's a little thing. And Giles doesn't often have his arms bare. So the fact that they did that, sometimes, because sometimes you have a tattoo once and they completely forget. Yeah, especially when it's not in a place on a character that you would see it every week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we all appreciate that we can see the the mark of Igon. And we like when we can see that. Appreciating the white undershirt. Yes. He he might be craggy, but he looked very good. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, like he looked good in the morning. Let's <laughs> Giles then calls Anya snoring Wagnerian. And I love that so much. Cause I, I get he's going for loud, symphonic. Yeah. But also Ride of the Valkyries. Mm-hmm. So I choose to believe Anya snores like a badass. Yeah. <laughs> no, there is no such thing as snoring like a badass. I'm sorry, Mary. I think Anya could do it. <laughs> Buffy begs them to stop. Everything is tense without them revealing enough, without them recreating scenes from her parents' marriage. Okay, two things. Mm-hmm. One, great little accidental, I'm sure, foreshadowing to the fact that come Tabula Rasa, Anya and Giles will believe themselves to be a couple and a couple with issues. And two, Buffy's parents, specifically Joyce. So we talked about why we don't see Christine much this season, mm-hmm. how she was living in Italy. But there is no mention of Buffy being concerned for her mother's safety or that Riley even knows where her mother lives. So has Joyce really not met Riley at this point? Because we're about to see her. Like she'll be back for the upcoming two-parter. But there's no concern at all that Joyce might be targeted by the initiative. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that this is just an oversight on, you know everybody's part yeah and and, i mean like as much as things are happening slowly in this episode things are also happening quickly in this episode but like all we needed was a throwaway line that like buffy told her mom to get out of town or like because like buffy doesn't suggest they all go to her house so clearly that implies riley's been to her house yeah but Joyce is at the house. Like, yeah, it's, a, it's an oversight, but it feels like a big one. Yeah. Like if we're worried that everybody has to run and hide, but we're let's, not worried about where Buffy's mom is. Let's just chalk it up to it being the 90s. And while they do get small details right, sometimes they just forget about the bigger things. That's fair. That's fair. The 90s were a wild time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, we just talked about how they remembered to put Giles's tattoo on. But That's true. we've completely forgotten about Joyce. <laughs> Anya and Giles apologize, and Willow tells Buffy that it will be okay. Riley will come around. He just needs to figure a few things out first. Buffy gets it. Things are heavy. His whole world is falling apart. Anya thinks Buffy needs a boring boyfriend, like Xander. But she can't have Xander. <laughs> that was the plan. Riley was supposed to be Mr. Joe Normal. They were going to do things like hold hands and skip through the daisies going cha-la-la. But now, Anya says dump him. But she still can't have Xander. She's so cute. She'll try to remember that. And it's too late anyway. She's at the hurt when he hurts, smile when he smiles phase. Anya hates that phase. (laughs) Before anything else can be said, Xander comes downstairs with a breakfast tray and tells them to turn on the TV. Turn it on now. They do, and it's a news broadcast talking about the boy from the woods and how he was, surprise, surprise, (laughs) found murdered, looking like he had been run through with a skewer. Buffy remembers the Polgara demon had a skewer and that Maggie made them bring it back alive. She must have sent it after her and it got distracted. They tell Buffy she can't blame herself. She's not going to. She's going to go to the crime scene 
And while she does, they're going to research the Bukhara demon, find out find out everything about it, where it might be. Because when she finds it, she's going to kill it. Make it die in ways it could not even imagine. <laughs> As everyone stands there staring, she admits that might have sounded better, more commanding. Where she not wearing yummy sushi pajamas? I am jealous of these pajamas. I love these pajamas. I think they're Nick and Nora. I love them so much. Like, I'm 90% certain they're Nick and Nora. Again, we need to talk about what we think Xander's parents I, think yeah. is happening right now. That's what, that's what yeah, we're like. Because Xander came downstairs with that breakfast tray. Which, which means he, Xander being a really good host. Right? Because, like, there's the orange juice, muffins, bananas. Like, Xander is a great host. Yeah. But, okay, but seriously, like, he had to go up into the main part of the house with his parents and get this food and then bring it down. So, like, I mean, I'm sure you could have just been like, oh, everybody's staying the night. And that would have worked fine for, like, Anya, Buffy, and Willow. But how do you also explain that, like, your grown-up friend... Well, they have... they Because he does have... He does have that, that separate door to the basement, right? But we're going to talk about that later, too. Okay. Because I figured everybody came in through, like, I feel like they snuck Giles in through the basement. And, like, that's part of, like, where the curtain comes in, too. Like, no, no, Mrs. Harris, there's nothing to see behind here. The curtain is just there for the dramatic reveal later in the episode. Yes. But but that's what we're going to talk about the separate door because of, yeah, no. Back on campus, Riley enters his frat house and is immediately greeted by Forrest. Where was he last night? When Riley doesn't immediately answer, Forrest congratulates him. So he and Buffy finally got past the shy stage. Mm-hmm. Riley says he wasn't with Buffy, that he was alone, figuring things out. What things? Motioning for Forrest to follow him into his room, Riley closes the door. Forrest remarks, this is all very ominous. And then Riley drops the bomb. Walsh tried to have Buffy killed. What? Forrest isn't sure he believes that. Did Buffy tell him this? Does he have any proof? He has enough to know it's true. Forrest doesn't believe Walsh would do something like that without good reason. If she thought Buffy needed to go, then Buffy needed to go. What? (laughs) Forrest says she's a pain. Sticking her nose where it doesn't belong. And because of that, she should die? Why doesn't Forrest like her? Is it because she's a better soldier than him? Oh, Riley. Let's not talk about someone being hung up on the fact Buffy is better than them. Because whoo, oh, bit bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's because she used Riley to infiltrate their organization. So now he thinks she's a spy? <sighs> Riley cannot believe this. But Forrest tells him to think about it. Before he can lay out his case, Graham comes in. Toxic masculinity. Oh, we're about to get to that. Mm-hmm. They try to dismiss him with a not now, but he brings news. Important news. Walsh is dead. Immediately, we're down at headquarters at 314, which Riley, look at the door. Yeah. He doesn't, though. And I mean, fair. He's too fixated on the sight of Maggie's body on the floor. Forrest comes up beside him and mentions that to him, it looks like Walsh got staked. Oh. Excuse me? Riley looks at him. Forrest is pretty much in a did I stutter mode as he says that wound looks like a good old fashioned staking. Riley says he better not be saying what he thinks he's saying. The Polgora demon has that skewer thing. Nope. This is Buffy's MO and Riley's been blinded by that supernatural freak. Forrest, you are so fucking dumb. He's so dumb and the male toxicity is overwhelming today. And just like, okay, the, the thing is, this is a literal through and through. Yeah. If it was a stake, it wouldn't have made the same kind of wound. We've seen what Yeah, we've it seen what stakes, Yeah, we've seen what stake wounds do to a human being. It also would have been a bigger wound. Yeah. Like Forrest is just being a dick. They start pushing one another and the doctor intervenes. Have some respect, boys. This is not what Walsh would have wanted. The doctor also goes with the whole Pargara demon line and says last night one escaped down Tunnel 72. Riley's ready to go for it, but the doctor says no. Washington is on their way. And until then, they're in total lockdown. Return to their quarters. They all nod, acquiescing. Or so the doctor thinks. The moment he's gone, Riley's like, listen up. This is still my house. And so we're doing things my way. So suit up because we're hunting demons. 
Riley is also itching his hand a lot. Hmm. Hmm. Wonder what that's about. Somebody's going through withdrawal. Yeah, but only him. Like, okay, we're going to talk about this in a little bit. Yeah. They all head they, off. Do, they do say something. Yeah, they do talk about it. Yeah, this. but none of, yeah. none of the rest of them show signs of it. This is like, no, half-assed last-minute edition. Yeah. They all head off, and next we see it's boots on the ground on the mean streets of Sunnydale. Mostly the cemeteries. As the initiative breaks into crypt after crypt looking for their demon. Or any demon. Forrest doesn't really seem to care what demon he finds. He just wants to kill something. They find Spike's crypt, complete with working television. <laughs> but no Spike. Even when they look in the tomb, pissed, Forrest smashes the television, calling all demons animals. Once they're gone, Spike peeks out. Turns out he was hiding under the skeleton of the dead dude. Good job, Spike. <laughs> Smart move. I mean, you job. don't have to breathe, so. Yeah. Bad, bad job to the commandos. Buffy arrives at the crime scene to see the M.E.s loading a gurney into their van. I love that she just walked past two cops. No one questioned her, stopped her, told her the public shouldn't be there. Yeah. A moment later, Riley appears, looking all official in his BDUs. Buffy attempts to apologize, which she thinks is very big of her, all things considered. But Riley doesn't say anything. Not until he tells her that Walsh is dead. Is she happy now? Riley, what the actual fuck is wrong with you? (sighs) Other than detoxing off drugs we've never seen or heard about before and will never hear about again. Buffy, understandably, is beyond insulted. Wanting to know how he could even ask her that. She tries to ask what happened, but he pulls the classified card. It's fine. She already knows. Polgara. It got her and escaped. Well, she is going to find it and she is going to destroy it. Then let him ask her how happy all this death makes her. Good girl, Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you, girl. She storms off and we go with Willow to visit Tara. Tara has only just gotten Willow's message and was about to call. She had fun the other night. So did Willow with the spells and such. But she doesn't want Tara to think she just comes over for the spells. Because she doesn't. She likes talking. Hanging out. Still, Willow wants to do a spell, doesn't she? Kind of, yeah. But only because it's really important. She thought they could call upon Thespia to help them find demonic energy in the area. Thespia? Is Willow sure they're up for that? (laughs) Of course. In fact, Willow thinks it's beneath them. Okay, then. Yeah, let's just replace spells with sex. And, and... Thespia, like... Well, no, Thespia is actually a real goddess. I know, I know, but it, like, it it sounds like the whole oh, no, joke of, are they thespians, you know? Oh, yeah, and I'm sure that's why it was used. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, they're, like they're... she's a minor river deity. Like, they really rolled the RNG of Greek yeah. mythology, so I'm yeah, sure like... it was used for the way it sounds. Yeah, yeah, like... Cause I, cause this is another, this is a Marty. Is this a Marty, a Marty episode or was last episode Marty? Uh, let's find out who wrote this. Yep. Marty. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like I, like, I feel like, like some of the, some of the wordplay in this scene really feels like Marty. Yeah. Cause this is, this is 10,000% the, I promise I like you more than a 2am booty call conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there <laughs> is so much, there is so much going on this scene that it's, Again, like it's the 90s and we can't have two girls making out and, you know, getting intimate. So this is like, I like the magic as intimacy. Yes. That they have going on. Like, look at that. Look at that. Le- the With the rose. Oh, of course. And the spell that went wrong. Like, yeah, they knew what they were doing. Buffy's search for the Polgara demon takes her to Willie's. <laughs> Seeing her, Willie is just like, fuck my life. I love Willie. And I know, I'm so sad. This is the last time we'll yeah. see him. Yep. We'll see the bar again. And mm-hmm. so like, we'll know Willie will be around, but we will never again see Willie's face. Yeah. He motions her to the non-crowded end of the bar. He says he's cleaned up his act. Renamed the place, got a deep fryer. Demons love the chicken fingers. <laughs> She wants to know what he knows about a Polgara demon. He'd love to tell her, but if the demons and vamps see them dealing with her, they'll just think he's the same old Willie, a two-time and snitch. She's going to have to punch him, isn't she? Just once. And she doesn't need to make it hurt. She does. <laughs> Willie being very overdramatic oh about it. Oh my god, the way, that he, the way that he flinches before she even... I love that. Yeah. And he tells her that, yeah, there was a Polgara, but she got it. Her and the army guys. Since then, nothing. Off the streets. 
And those army guys, what is he heard there? Anything about 314? Riley enters then, looking like he's gone downhill fast. (laughs) All sweaty and pale. Again, with no indication that something like this might happen, just out of nowhere. Buffy wants to know what he's doing there. Is he following her? He wanted to help, you know, since she said she was tracking the Polgara demon. But now he sees he's socializing with them <laughs> again. God, Riley, way God. to be racist. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> Buffy tells him that he really needs to work on his undercover skills. And Willie agrees. They need to relax. Let him get them something. Riley tells Willie to shut up. Or maybe Willie would like to go back to the lab with Riley. He's sure the docs would love to take a part of whatever he is. Buffy tells him to chill. Willie's a human. Right, so he just harbors them, like Buffy. Grabbing Buffy, he tells her to tell him the truth. Now. He has the truth. He's just too messed up by Walsh's death to see it. Buffy notices he's shaking, and a woman sitting at the bar gets up. That's when Riley pulls a gun! No one leaves until he says so. Willie reminds them that there is now a no-killing rule. (laughs) Buffy tells Riley to put it away. Riley doesn't get it. Who do you trust? If he shoots this woman, will he have a corpse on his hand or a pissed-off vampire? It all sounds like lies, but also truths. And (sighs) he hits the bar, shattering glasses, and the woman takes off. Buffy takes Riley back to the basement of sadness, sitting (laughs) with him on the bed. Right now. He's clammy, jittery, bouncing his legs, scratching his hand till it bleeds. He says it feels like there's something crawling inside of him. Buffy tells him he's sick. He needs to lay down, rest, sleep. She promises that everything's going to be okay. Sarah's acting in this scene is so subtle, but so powerful. Mm -hmm. The concern and worry just etched upon Buffy's face. Like, good job. Yeah, I mean, we've always we've always said that about Sarah, that just watching her face, she can convey so much with her eyes and just subtle motions. She gets him to lay down, and once she is sure he's settled, she heads to the divider to where Giles is, along with Xander and Anya. Giles asks how Riley is doing, and Buffy says, there is no way this is all grief. Does she think Walsh did something to Riley? She's not sure, but she's going to find out. Walsh had to have kept records on Riley, 314, everything. And there's no way she was the only one that who knew what she was up to. So she needs Giles and Ani to keep researching. She's going to take Xander and go undercover, head back to the initiative. Ani says, no, they talked about this. <laughs> no Xander. <laughs> Not in a boyfriend way and not in a lead him into certain death way. Buffy reminds Anya that Xander is the only one with military experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, good. Love it. We love to see it. Anya, however, not loving it. (laughs) He wasn't in the NAM. He was (laughs) G.I. Joe for one night. (laughs) I love how Anya calls it the The NAM. Yeah, the NAM. We particularly love that because of the whole Heart of Darkness thing. Mm -hmm. We're going to see come Restless where Xander will be in the NAM. (laughs) Xander assures her it'll be fine. He's backed up Buffy before. Anya doesn't know why he can't just Xerox handouts. Do something safe. He promises her he'll be careful and goes to get ready. Giles tells Buffy that when it comes to the Polgara demon, they haven't found much, but they'll keep looking. Back with Willow and Tara, we get a fascinating scene. As Willow is explaining the square she made, each corner anchored by a crystal represents Sunnydale like a map. And with this potion, once they call upon Thespia and blow it onto the map together, it will create a mist where the demons are. It will even create different colors for different breeds. This map seems very flawed, but that's not the point of the scene and that's not what's fascinating, so we're going to skip it. But I'm like, what part of the map is what part of Sunnydale, Willow? I know. I know. Can we, can we, uh, can you give us some details? Like, we need you to use, like, the salt shakers in the ketchup bottle to tell us where stuff is. Yeah, yeah. like, help us out here. We're trying to map out your weird-ass town. They say the inca- they say the incantation, which really sounds like it should be Nyx or Persephone. Yeah, again, they yeah, they, just they really a lot of mentions of darkness and the world below. Yeah, 
But also, you don't want to call on the proper demons with the or the proper gods and goddesses no. with. <laughs> no, as, as we learned this yeah. week with everyone so creative. Everyone's so creative. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. And they blow. Or, well, Willow does. Tara hides hers under a chair. So this is fascinating for several reasons. Or, well, two. Maybe three. One, Amber does a fabulous job in her acting with this. She is not overly sus, not jumpy. There's just one, like, subtle eye twitch right before they get started. So that led everyone to be like, what? Mm -hmm. When she purposely sabotaged the spell. Two, this is a small thing that will not pay out till next season. Mm-hmm. So we're left wondering for quite a while why Tara did that. Mm-hmm. And okay, yes, three. Back when we were still like, but what if she is future Tara? I think we all had a moment of, would a werewolf be considered a demon? Is that why she did that? So yeah, this this moment was fascinating for so many reasons, but like all the kudos to Amber because like most people would have played her being like very like squirrely and yeah, sus. Yeah. And she's just like, and then like, and everyone was like, well, why did she do that? Yeah, and especially, especially because Tara is a very nervous person to begin with. Yeah. So the, that she was able to be so subtle about that is again, it like for this is a silly 90s show, but some of the acting in the series is phenomenal. Oh, it's top notch. Like the show is not going to win awards, but everybody was giving their all for these characters. Uh huh. At the frat house, Buffy and Xander prepare to go in. Xander and Olive Drab, Buffy in glasses and a lab coat with a clipboard, because that's all you need for people to think you're a scientist on television. I mean, she's not wrong. Like these she days. She is not wrong. <laughs> these days, a tablet. Yeah. But the look would be the same. Yeah. Sarah looks great in the glasses. Mm -hmm. She's so cute. They head to the super secret elevator, passing only one other person along the way, and he doesn't seem to register them at all. As they stand before the mirror, Xander is confused until Buffy mentions the retinal scan. Ew. No. (laughs) No, Xander. (laughs) Not that. Retinal. It scans her in and the two step into said secret elevator. As they step out into headquarters, Xander is thoroughly impressed he totally gets it Mm. can he have sex with riley too (laughs) xander also our bisexual king you get like any i mean he wants to have sex with riley he talked about how angel was very attractive but very sketchy xander and and even even if he's not actually bisexual it just goes to show he's very comfortable yeah you know like He's not homophobic. He's not nope. like, no. He's, like, he was taken a little surprised when Larry like thought yeah, Xander was coming out we, to him. Yeah. But we, in his everyday life, he doesn't care. He yeah, doesn't well, care. We, we, we talked about that before. Like he was just a little on, he was just a little uncomfortable because he wasn't expecting any of this. He wasn't expecting Larry to assume that Xander himself, but he didn't like, he didn't, yeah. they, they didn't, they didn't go over the top with it. No, and also, technically, given Xander's dating history and, like, being a demon magnet, quote-unquote, we are assuming that demons have genders like humans, so basically we could probably classify Xander as pansexual. Yes, yeah. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, and and for for all, you know, for for some of the problems that, that the show has, like, handling sexuality like that, was never a problem. No, you know, it's, it's, I really you know, appreciate and, that. And we've talked, we've talked about it before, and you know, we'll talk about it again down the line. The fact that they were forced to make a choice. Everybody had to fit a binary. You know. Yeah. Later on, Willow's going to say gay now, and yeah. you know, people love to completely erase her relationship with Oz, not taking into account that it was the fucking nineties. Yeah, and people, yeah, people love to completely erase the time. I mean, we talked about it way back in the beginning, how they weren't allowed to cast a POC as Cordelia because the network told him no interracial relationships. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, as much as I like this address, I can't be put in a box like that. I have to be able to play around with the relationship dynamics. Mm -hmm. And that's why 
Buffy sadly wasn't as diverse as it could have been because the network put all these clauses in there about what kind mm-hmm. of relationships you could have. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, there there's a lot of, you know, we we have a lot of we a lot of things came out, you know, about the creator and how shitty he was as a creative and and towards his his cast and everything. But some of the stuff that people blame him for cannot be put on him. This is true. Here and later on, some of it is Kevin Feige. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Feige is the Kevin Feige is the reason why Joss broke at that point. Yeah. You know, like we didn't have we didn't have the knowledge. Kevin about- Feige is also the reason Quicksilver is dead. That was not the creator. He tried. He tried. Yeah. He wrote a scene where he was fine. And yeah. Kevin Feige was like, mm, no, he dead. Yeah. And like cause because the whole like and and when and and see what I love I love the the Whedons though subverting Feige by bringing Coulson back. Oh yeah, they're like fine, we'll go do what we want on our because show. he did it. Bye. Everybody like everybody blamed the creator for Coulson's death when it was Feige who was like, no, we need him to die for them to rally. Yeah, yeah. So like and and because the whole the whole thing the whole thing was you know there was a whole running gag. For anybody who watched any Joss Whedon show, that you got attached to a character, they were going to die. They're going to die. Like it was a running gag. But for once in his career, he didn't want to kill somebody, (laughs) and especially because it wasn't it wasn't his character. No, like when it's his characters that he created, it's one thing to kill them off. But when it's somebody else's, like no, no. (laughs) People put. For for that stuff, people put way too much blame on him and not the people who were running the show. Which again, that's it's the same as with the networks, not letting him do what he wanted to do. What he wants to do. He's a shit person, but some things are not his fault. Truth. Let's blame let's put the blame that he deserves on him and not blame him for things that he had no control over. And that is our we we even like before all the stuff about him came out, Mary and I spent so much time angry at people for blaming him for things that Mm -hmm. were not his decision. (sighs) They head down the steps, and as two guys start to come up them, Xander tells Buffy to make out with him. (laughs) What? In the movies, when a guy and a girl have to hide, it's what they do. Buffy tells him this is the initiative. (laughs) Scientists and military guys don't make out with each other. Xander says maybe that's the problem. Back in the basement of sadness, Willow is trying to figure out what went wrong, why she failed. It wasn't even like she got the wrong result. She got nothing. <laughs> Giles tells her that if it's any consolation, they're not very much better. The behavior this demon is exhibiting is highly unusual for a Polgara. The child was mutilated. They don't do that. Plus, Anya adds, a Polgara has to eat every two hours. Add that to their low IQ and they're not exactly low profile. <laughs> So then how has it been hiding for two days? No one's seen it at all. That is the question. She pulls back the curtain to check on Riley and there he is <laughs> doing his best angel impression and that creeping. Was, that, was, that was a very creepy moment. He wants to know where Buffy is. She went out, but he needs to rest. He's not well. Did she find the Polgara? Is that it? Is she on the hunt? No, they're still looking for the Polgara. She went to find out what making him sick. He's not sick. Are they saying she went to the initiative? She can't be there. He gets dressed and makes to leave, but Willow tries to stop him. He needs to wait for Buffy to return. Yeah, not happening. He shoves Willow down and flees up the stairs. Never mind, the basement has an outside (laughs) door. But okay. You know what? We We can blame that on Riley not knowing that there's another door. I'm sure Buffy brought him in the outside door. He was definitely in a very bad place at that point. I'm going to forgive him for this because he's in a strange place freaking out. Fair. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to excuse him for this one. Like I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to excuse a lot of things when it comes to Riley Flynn, but. But again, what do Xander's parents think? (laughs) I think again, you know, like the, we know that they're shit parents. They are. They're probably just like, uh, crazy stuff happens in our basement. Exactly. Like, all of that aside, like, it kind of reaches a certain point where it's like, Xander has a weird friend over again. Giles and Anya rush to make sure Willow is okay. Because not cool, Riley. Not cool at all. In headquarters, Buffy and Xander just happen to come across our friend the doctor and another guy talking about how all the commandos 
have missed their meds and are being dosed through their food. Yeah. Um, no. They're being dosed through their meds. Vitamins. Riley and the boys eat at the campus food halls just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. We've seen this mm-hmm. multiple times. Like this this is this is this is what I'm talking about. This plot point was totally added in last minute, and I hate it. And also, all the commandos have missed their meds, but Riley is the only one going through withdrawal. Don't they say at some point? Yeah, I mean, I think they say at some point that they managed to catch up with everybody. Maybe Riley, maybe Riley went a little bit longer without them because he had because every like the episode picks up right from the end of the last episode. Look, I'm trying to just put try to put things together in a way that makes <laughs> sense. So maybe like it has been that long since he took his vitamins because I mean, maybe we went right from, you know, Buffy was in the the sewers fighting the demons. We saw Riley with Professor Walsh. We assumed that Buffy went to Giles's while Riley was talking to Walsh at some point, and then he probably went right to Giles's while they were having their conversation. So probably he was distracted from everything happening. True. Very true. I mean, he has the alarm on his phone or right. his watch, which we could have heard and seen him silence, but we didn't. Yeah. And he went back to his room to talk to Forrest, so he could have taken his meds then. But again, we didn't see his thing go off and him silence it because he was in the middle of a conversation. But okay. But yes, let's just give it the benefit of the doubt. He's been away longer because the, the they do say there are still some guys out there. and mm-hmm. the, But that Riley is the important one. Yeah. He's too important to their work to lose. Yeah. Maybe Riley is even getting something stronger than these guys he might be like the 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 conversation we'll get to in a few minutes with adam does imply that like riley's a different class than the others Mm -hmm. we briefly pop back over to willie's where spike orders himself up a shop shot of eight blood (laughs) telling willie how the army guys ran him out of his crypt as he goes to drink some demon hits him square in the face well then back at headquarters the doctor says he's going to records buffy and xander conveniently follow Grabbing him, Buffy says, Charlie doesn't kill humans, but she has learned to be flexible. What did they do to Riley? The doctor tells her someone is surely on their way. They had to have seen her on the monitors. Rounding the corner, Riley says, monitors are out. (laughs) Been down for the last 10 minutes. But they didn't do that. Xander says, doesn't matter. Just take the gift. Figure (laughs) it out later. When, when he first rounded the corner, I thought Riley had done it, but it's obvious like Adam did it. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, haha, Riley took him out. And I'm like, oh no, Riley didn't take him out. Yeah, yeah. The one plus, who's coming took them out. Yeah, plus if they've been down for 10 minutes. That's before like, Riley got there. Before Riley got there, yeah. He probably, and he probably heard somebody saying about everything was down. And The doctor tries to get Riley to lock Buffy up, but Buffy says he can tell them what happened. He said Maggie was drugging them, and he knows she tried to have Buffy killed. He did, but that was not the initiative. They have no interest in eliminating the Slayer. That was all Maggie, her own personal vendetta. Riley tells them to stop. They're making her sound like a psychopath. I mean, yeah. She wasn't. She was brilliant. She was, absolutely. But she, Riley then starts to blame Buffy. She did this. She made Maggie act like this. This all started because of her. Buffy's going to try not to take that to heart because of the withdrawal and tell Riley, this isn't about them. This is about the project. They need to know what was in room 314. A body drops from above and as they look up, they see Adam, who tells them it was him. He gets right to the monologuing, telling them how he began to think about the world, how he wanted to see it. And so he went out. He saw the insides of that boy, but it didn't tell him about the world. It just made him feel. And so he came home to learn about him, to learn why he feels these things, what he is. He takes a floppy disk, well, (laughs) a hard disk, but still, it was still considered considered a floppy disk. Yeah, yeah. And he inserts it into the disk drive in his chest. (laughs) 
This, this is my favorite <laughs> 90s sci-fi oh, yeah. kind of moment. Like, oh, this was great. This is like height of 90s like sci-fi tech here. Yeah, yeah. like we're, we're doing, you know, we have the, the sci-fi horror trope going with Adam. And the fact that he has a disk drive in his chest is, is beautiful. He says he is a hybrid demonoid. Designed by Maggie. She called him Adam. He called her mother. The doctor says Maggie would want him to stand down. True. But he has a design flaw. Buffy points out that he was cobbled together from demons. Yes. And humans. And machines. So he knows what he is. But not who he is. But Maggie, mother, she wrote things down. Which is how he learned he had a job there. Riley says Maggie was not his mother. (laughs) She created him because she was a scientist. Xander doesn't think provoking Adam is a good idea. I'm, I'm, I'm with that. Yeah, that's when Adam goes for Riley's disc. Maggie was his mother too. No, he has a mother, a, a birth mother. Yes, but Maggie shaped him, taught him how to think. How to act, fed him drugs to make him strong. She said Riley and Adam were her favorite children, her art, and that makes them brothers, family. Nope, Riley's not for that. Hmm. He says they're nothing alike. And Adam points out that what he's feeling is pain. Why? Because of the withdrawal or because he misses her? Riley says he's going to kill Adam. And Adam says, no, he won't. He hasn't been programmed to programmed he can't be programmed he is a man (laughs) adam says it's all on the discs maggie's plan for them does he want to hear it how it ends see again again there was mm, so much more we could have done with this because this is now implying there was like a brainwashing element to this Mm -hmm. never saw that yeah i mean and you especially like you can especially see that like with forest yeah. Because, like, if you think about it, when he's having that conversation with Riley, we can think that m- maybe Riley is starting to go through withdrawal. All the stuff has started to, you know, isn't in as much in his system anymore. So Forrest is still completely under the control. So his reaction to not thinking that it could be something other than the outsider could be put down to this brainwashing. True. And I also feel like, again, half-assed motif. Mm -hmm. That maybe there was something about the phrase making Maggie proud because Mm -hmm. that gets repeated. Uh Uh-huh. It it feels like an activation code. Like, she's going to make you proud. Riley, go out there and make me proud. Mm -hmm. Make me proud. Like, she says it to Riley a lot. But again, it just... It wasn't executed right. And especially the fact that she is a psychology perfecter and pr- professor. Also perfecter. Perfecter. <laughs> um, that just made me lose my... Yeah, so uh, like like she is top in the field of psychology. So brainwashing I mean, makes sense. We mentioned right in the first episode, asset mm-hmm. conditioning. Yep. That's her... Like, Winter Soldier shit is her thesis. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was right there in the first episode. And again, but it, it it just goes back to not taking advantage of threads that we could have. No, like, I think if they had taken full advantage of all the initiative threads and they had built it, like I said, if they had built it up more over the seasons where, like, connected it back to the people who grabbed... Marcy Mm -hmm. had some demons just disappear that Buffy couldn't find them. Like she went out to hunt them and they were gone. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I guess they must have left town. And also because it would, you know, we could have had more things along, you know, because we know we know from later on that Ethan was, you know, what happened to Ethan. So, yeah, there was there was a lot of stuff that were missed opportunities. Yeah, that's when the fight starts. Riley goes for Adam, is thrown across the room. Buffy goes for Adam, is thrown down. Even Xander tries it. All while Forrest, Graham, and the others are trying to break into the room, and the doctor is trying to escape. Well, Adam stabs him before telling the others that this was informative and thanking them. He then leaves, and Buffy goes to Riley to check on him. 
he's bleeding and not looking good, like at all. The others get in and Xander tells him there was a demon. He escaped through the vent. Forrest is kind of all, yeah, right. But Riley says, no, it's true. He saw it. Buffy says Riley needs to go to a hospital. And Forrest says they'll take it from there. She's going. It's a military hospital. But back off. They take care of their own. He motions to Graham to help him lift Riley, telling the others to escort Buffy and Xander out. So it turns out the demon, along with other demons, is pissed that Spike has now decided to fight their kind. And so this beatdown was basically a <laughs> never show your face around here again kind of deal. Very weird. Get out of Dodge. <laughs> yeah, basically. A day or so later, Willow and Buffy walk together across campus, Willow asking if Buffy's heard from Riley. No, but she didn't expect to. She knows the initiative has him deep in a military medical facility. There's no way she's getting near him until he's either released or they come up with a better plan than storming in and getting them all shot. Yeah, Willow agrees. That one's not the best. (laughs) Buffy says she can't waste her energy on the initiative, not with Adam out there. He's like this super soldier. Like Maggie designed him with no flaws. There has to be one. Aside from him being pure evil and killing for the hell of it, Willow says they'll figure it out. And Riley will be okay. Buffy's not sure. Everything he's known, everything he's ever clinged to, it's gone. He has nothing now. But as we see Riley detoxing, hooked up to monitors, we do see that he has one thing. Buffy's bandana, which she used to bandage his hand earlier in the episode. The end. I do like the way that it was worded with he has nothing to cling to. Yes, that was very sweet. Early holding the bandana. Yes. So I did have to like sneak a peek at this and like the plot outline for next week's episode because I remember a lot of parts of the two-parter. I don't remember a lot of parts of the two-parter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this seems like a really odd place to end this. Mm-hmm. Knowing that we're getting like the two-parter and then superstar. Yeah. But they do, there is mention in the beginning of the next episode about Riley in the hospital. So I was like, do we just completely ignore this? Because I know Riley's like up to having sex again by the two-parter, which, yeah, yeah. Whew, that's a whole thing we're going to oh, talk about. Yeah. Um, but like, they do. Okay, I, I was very pleased to know that they do mention him getting out of the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> at the yeah. beginning of the next episode. So, okay, random question, but it's kind of on on theme here. So I came across a TikTok video this week that asked if you could, you, you're getting turned into a vampire. You have no choice about this. Mm-hmm. If, if you were being turned into a vampire from any sort of existing media, what kind of vampire, not like a specific vampire. You don't have to yeah, choose yeah. to be like Spike or Lestat. What kind of vampire would you want to be? And the only rule is you can't choose to be the most powerful vampire. No, so if yeah, you yeah. went World of Darkness, Vampire the Masquerade, you can't be the progenitor. Yeah, yeah. But you could be that kind of vampire. You could be a Twilight vampire. You could be a Buffy vampire. What kind of vampire would you be? I actually am like the first thing that pops into my mind. And also because it has more to do with lore and the world itself. Probably the Vampire Diaries. Interesting. Because... The whole, like, they have, because just because of, like, I like, I like the supernatural lore of that world in general. And, you know, I also like the fact that, oh, look, I can get a magic ring. This is true. This is true. So that I can go out in the sun. So, like, yeah, like, as, like, I would, I like, and also I like the way that, you know, in, in, in Buffy, the vampires are like, we have no soul. Like, and, you know, we're... I like the balance of the vampires in Vampire Diaries because so like that not- you can turn the humanity on and off. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. you're not you're not bound just by one way of being. Interesting. So I was torn. I was I was honestly torn because my first knee jerk reaction was Anne Rice. Mm-hmm. I mean. You have a soul, you love, you just basically are a human with fangs. Mm-hmm. And you're out living your best vampire life. So I was like, yeah. But then I was like, mm, mm. But as weird as those books got later, Anita Blank vampires. Gonna, yeah, you're also yeah. living your best vampire life, but you have legal rights. Right, yeah. As a vampire. Yeah. So I'm a little I'm a little torn between those two. But my knee jerk like top off my head reaction was Anne Rice. Yeah, yeah. See, like like I said, I I like the world that 
is set up in Vampire Diaries. But yeah, also also the the Anita Blake series. And also again, like that's another great world yeah. where you know, they have they have absolute they have absolute rights. Yeah. No, it's great. So I was just like, I was like, I have to bring that up because that seemed like a, a fun oh, thing. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. And we should, we'll, we'll post that. Yeah. We'll post I'll, that question. I'll repost the video to yeah. our TikTok account. But also to clarify our little everybody's so creative earlier, <laughs> um, there's a news story going around where some girl who had no knowledge of this, decided to try some online ritual to summon Papa Legba and then was found dead. Yeah. So yeah, we don't, we're not calling upon actual deities for the right no. purpose here. We're not taking that chance. We're not so creative. So yeah. just in case that was our clarification earlier, yeah, kids no, don't do it. it. If, yeah. if you don't know what you're doing, don't do it. Yeah, it, I mean, and a lot of a lot of it can be chalked up to coincidences but don't don't put that why why risk it yeah yeah it, it's <laughs> just don't just don't please yeah please. and that's why like that's why you know when you have you know when you have media that deals with with gods and goddesses and and religious figures why it's always like mm, this doesn't quite fit but yeah we don't want our actors courting any kind of potential disaster yeah don't and don't bring don't bring a ouija board into the home don't no it's it's all fun and games until you're waking up at 3 a.m with a tall creepy figure standing over your bed so just to take us on a tiny tiny tangent before we end this ouija boards i have mixed feelings on because there are some like the old like handmade victorian ones no the one that is mass okay, marketed yeah, that you that, can buy at have, Target. Yeah, that I have no, that I have no. But like there was an episode of, um, I think BuzzFeed Unsolved. Was it the they, house with all of them? Well, no, I think there was like, a, it was like a girl who brought, who like, I found this in an antique store and it's a beautiful aesthetic and I brought it home and now I have demons. I'm like, Mm-mm. yeah, the mass, the mass marketed ones by, by, you like know, Hasbro Bradley or whatever the the company is. No, that's but the other thing is I wouldn't buy a vintage version of one of those no. that is in a thrift store. Yeah. No. You know, getting it right off the shelf, fine. But if oh, yeah. you see one of those in a thrift store or an antique store, no, because uh, if that's not no, something something happened. Somebody got one. rid of it for a reason. Yeah. So yeah, if you're just right off the shelf, it's it's one of those things where right out of the box, it's not going to be a problem. But if you play around with that thing too much and some weird shit happens and you put it in an antique store, no, 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 no. <laughs> so even those even those come with caveats, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. That's it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time when we take on season four, episode 15, This Year's Girl. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed on the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye! Bye! Bye.